Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good to be in God's house this morning. Good to see everybody. Amen. We're going to let's take a song book out. Let's open up to 495. Let's stand together. Let's sing, brethren, we have met the worship. 495.
I've never played that before. Piano player always done it. That was the first. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here this morning. Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 4. Oh, amen. Yeah, I don't have to. I'm spoiled. So as you're turning to Luke, chapter 4, let me say real quickly. It started out as a short, simple message, and the Lord made it bigger and bigger and bigger, and now there's scripture everywhere. So bear with me. i got to do what I feel called to do, but at the same time, I didn't want to leave anything out, so it's all in there. <laughs> but uh, I, just real quickly about Brother Brandon, the reason I won't tell you anything about him is because he's got twice as much on me. But to be honest with you, he's right. I, I never figured I'd be anybody the Lord could use. I just, I did, I, I still to this day, I don't know why in the world the Lord loves me as much as he does. But we serve a good and mighty God and a merciful God. And uh, he is so good to me and my family. And I'm Thanksgiving aside, I'm thankful for him every day, and I appreciate all he's done for me. I say this, I really appreciate the friendship I found in Brother Brandon. He preached my mama's funeral. He preached my daddy's funeral. He didn't even know him. He led my wife and my oldest son to the Lord and one of my cousins. And all of my sisters have been under his ministry at one point or another, and my mother was close to him. He's just made a big impact on me, and I know it ain't him, it's the Lord in him, but I appreciate him for that. And I'm, I know if, if you don't love him, I know you all love him, much as I do, but I tell you, if you knew what I knew about all he's been through, you'd understand what he means so much. But anyway, we're, y'all have time to find Luke chapter 4. Say amen if you found that. Starting in verse 13, the Bible says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he talked in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I cannot preach except you help me, and Lord, I wouldn't want to. I ask you, Lord, just please fill me full of your spirit. I know I know he lives in me, and I ask you to just fill me full of let let this morning, let him just take over. Let it be all with you, Lord, and none of me. Lord, let every word that comes forth from this pulpit be what you once said. And Lord, don't let me say anything I ought not to say, but let me say everything I ought to say. Lord, I just I stand where all my flesh has filled me, and it will. I'm not trusting all my flesh, Lord. I'm trusting you, and I ask for you to help me out. In Jesus' name. I want to talk for just a few minutes this morning on the subject. The importance of the Bible to a nation. And I'll say that for a reason. I went to Bible college, and I can tell you, there were professors I was under who didn't really know the Bible that way. And I'm not saying not to critique them. I just, I would ask questions because I'm an inquisitive type of guy. And sometimes they would stuff that I thought everybody would know. They didn't. I'll give you one example, and I'm not talking about people. But one of our... Uh, one of my professors was sick one day, and he sent one of his other staff to fill in for the class. They wasn't studied up on the material, and I understand that. But we were talking about the name of Jesus and how it translates from Hebrew, Yeshua, into Greek, Jesus, into English, Joshua. And they know it's all the same name. Different renderings of the same name. And I asked him a question about that. He didn't have any idea what I was talking about. And I thought, this guy's teaching us. Now, that's in the Bible colleges. It's worse out here. When you come across people 
your day-to-day. Most of them don't even know John 3.16. When I was growing up, everybody knew John 3.16. People knew their Bible. People read their Bible. They studied their Bible. And I tell people, and this is true, if you're having trouble going to sleep at night, I have the cure for insomnia. If you open that book and start reading it, two things will happen. One, the devil will knock you out. He don't want you reading But two, what little you got read before you fell asleep will sit there and work in your mind. I would always, when I'd cram for a test, I'd do it at night. If I did it in the morning, right before the test, I'd fail it every time. But if I would cram for a test the night before, all through Bible call would just work. I'd cram for the test, and I'd go to bed, and all that stuff I was studying would just work in my brain. And then I didn't even know it. I was asleep. But my brain would work on it. I'd get up the next day, and I knew stuff I didn't know before. So it's a benefit to you to read your Bible and help you get good sleep, amen, help you know what the book has to say, and you'll use it the rest of your life. It'll draw you closer to God. In this passage that we just read, Jesus has just been tempted of the devil. And y'all know the story. I'm not going to read it. But three times the devil tempted Jesus. And all three times Jesus defended himself with the Word of God, but more specifically the book of Deuteronomy. I tell people, I have to stand on my knowledge of the book of the Deuteronomy to defend myself against Satan. How would I do it? Well, let me ask the question, how would you do it? If all you had was a book of Deuteronomy and the devil attacked you today and that's all your defense that you had was, how would you do it? Well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't even do that well. Deuteronomy has some boring spots in it, okay? But Jesus defended himself three times out of the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to go there in a minute, but not quite yet. Remember that. We'll get back to it. But Jesus defended himself with the word of God. And the Bible says after he defended himself there, verse 13, the devil had ended the temptation. He departed from him for a season. He left. He went on away from him. I want you to know verse 14. After having been tempted and after having defended himself with the word of God, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. I want you to know you use the word of God the way God intended you to use it. You don't get filled with a power you don't understand. Stand here this morning. I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather be just about anywhere else. I'd rather be somewhere on the lake benching or somewhere eating pizza. Or, hey, you know what, Billy? You're sleeping in. When I was growing up Saturday mornings, we could sleep in every Saturday morning. We'd sleep probably noon on the grass. Because all week we went to school. Sunday we went to church. Saturday's all day you could sleep in. There's folks right now today, you'll pass them on the way to church. They're on a creek bank somewhere. You'll pass their boats and RVs headed anywhere. That's a church. God help them. But when... And when you study the Word, you'll be filled with the power of God. Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, returns into Galilee. Now watch this. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And y'all know like I know. I come back to Paris. It's like coming home because I grew up there. I lived in Paris all my life. For months. I see a feeling of fine and just little, this little feeling that comes into my heart. I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like, Nostalgia, I don't know what you call it. It's something you feel when you get close to home and you remember all the stuff you had growing up. It happens to my wife every time we get near Waco. She grew up in Waco. We all have a place we call home. Jesus wasn't really from Nazareth. He's from Egypt. And he's born in Bethlehem, but he raised up there. He had to have a certain town. That's his community. Even if he didn't, uh, they didn't all know him, they all knew of him. You know what I mean? I didn't know everybody in Paris. But you know a lot of people that know a lot of people that know a lot of people, so it works out the same. But it says he was brought up there, and when he got there, his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the read. Now watch, this is his name. And there was delivered unto him, verse 17, the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, we're going to read it in the New Testament. But before we do, I want to show it to the Old Testament. Hold your finger. We're coming back. Go to Isaiah 61. I'll show you something kind of neat. And you folks probably already know this. Look like a smart crowd. But just in case you don't, I'll show you something. Isaiah chapter 61. This is what Jesus read when he went to church that Saturday in his hometown. You found that say amen? The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. I want you to notice there in Isaiah 61 and verse 2, that sentence and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, if you've got a King James Bible, there's a comma in the middle of that verse. Everybody see that comma after the Lord? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to, to notice that comma and go back with me to Matthew, or, sorry, Luke chapter 4 where we were. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 says he opened the book and he wrote, he found where it was written and then he read these words, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Isaiah said me, Jesus said poor. It's kind of like that translation thing I told you before. It's the same word, just this is in Greek. That was in Hebrew, so it's the same word. It says he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Anybody know anybody poor? I'd argue I'm poor. <laughs> so the gospel's meant for you, amen. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody ever been brokenhearted? Hey, you're on the list, amen. To preach deliverance to the captive. Everybody fits that. We were captive to sin. We were bound in our sin. And the Lord delivered us. If you're saved, you're delivered from that. Praise God for that, amen. I, I tell you what, what I'd do without Jesus, I'd still be a captive, amen. They're, they're, I was reading this morning in the news, they released some more, Hamas released some more captives. And that's sad what they're going through. But they, that that deliverance ain't nothing like the deliverance we find in salvation, because we're going to spend eternity with God. I'm glad they got loose, but they still got to live this life and die. I'm delivered to where I don't ever have to be a captive again, amen. And you don't either. So there's something to praise God about right there. Watch this. And recovering of sight, to the blind, and that's not always physical blindness. Sometimes that's a reference to spiritual blindness. I know a lot of spiritually blind people, and so do you. And you try to tell them, and they just can't see it, and they don't want to see it. I, I was with some of them at Thanksgiving. I was trying to witness to my cousin and some other folks, and I won't name anybody. I'm trying to get through, and I'm trying to get through, and it's just like beating your head against the wall when you pray. And you say, Lord, please, just, just help them to see the truth. I mean, he saved me. I wanted to save everybody in my family, amen? And the thing is, he wants to do. It's the people. They're blind. And that's what he came for, is to give sight to the blind, if they'll just look. To set at liberty them that are bruised. And watch this. This is eight. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord, period. Now, when we looked at it in Isaiah, what was in that spot? There was a comma there, wasn't it? We just read that in Isaiah 61, and there was a comma where he started talking about judgment. But Jesus didn't read that part of it, and there's a reason he didn't. That part's not fulfilled yet. That judgment comes when he comes back. 
Look what he does. He gets to that comma that we looked at in Isaiah 61 and verse 2, and he stops to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible says, verse 20, he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. I thought about doing that. Just so I can better illustrate this. I'm not going to do that. Anyway, he did. He read the word, and he gave it to the hair. And he just sat out. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the people in my church wish I'd just read a couple verses and sit out. Amen. <laughs> but I got to do what the Lord leads me to do. He closed the book. He gave it to the ministry. He sat down. And the eyes of all them in the synagogue were fastened on him. And like I said, I could illustrate that. If I had just read a verse and sat down, everybody just look at me. Oh, is that it? At all <laughs> Verse 21. He began to say unto them, This day. Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? That's why he stopped where he stopped. See, the judgment part's not fulfilled yet. Judgment's coming, folks. Ain't here yet. Praise God, it hasn't come yet. I, I, I'm, I'm anxious for him to return, but I'm so brokenhearted for those I still want to see saved. And I, I understand what Paul meant when he said that he was between the two. He wanted to go home, but he wanted to continue the ministry. And he couldn't decide which he wanted more. I got to tell you, I'm leaning real hard to that sort of going home side of it. There's a song written recently by a guy I like a whole lot talking about, I want to go home. Boy, I tell you, when I, that song hits my heart because I want to go home too. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My friends are all laid up somewhere. Well, y'all don't get me singing here, man. <clears throat> Can't wait to go home. But he, he told them, he said, today is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bearing witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. But here's the problem. They said, is not this. Who does he think he is? Anybody ever treated you that way? Who ever looked at you and thought, who do you think you are? What makes you special? Why don't you tell me what you have to say? Friend, I got to tell you, I've been, I've been treated that way my whole life. One of the reasons I left there, because I didn't feel like I was ever going to amount to anything here in my hometown, because they'd already prejudged and prefigured me. A lady told me long ago, and I don't call her out. She knows who she is. She said, well, I go, she said, you can to these wrongs out here. I said, unfortunately, <laughs> because I am. I'm kin to about every long between here and outside of Paris, Deport, Detroit. They last thing long. I'm kin to them sometimes. Yeah, I done found that out. But I don't take after the ones that y'all probably know. I take after my mama's side, the bases, and the ones that love Jesus. And I thought seriously about changing my last name. But I'm not going to. God gave me this name, and I'm going to make the best of it. And then I'm teach my kids how to make the best of theirs. By the way, just as a side note, when you walk around calling yourself a Christian, the word Christian that they use first, the Antioch means Christ's life. If you have any pride in your name at all, and you try to keep your name good, praise God. Think about that name, that other name you're carrying around, and how we put it to shame all the time. We need to cut that out. Eh? That was extra, y'all. I'm not charging over that. <laughs> they said, "Ain't this Joseph's son?" He said unto them, "You will surely say unto me this proverb: Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in our country." And I am who I tell you I am, and then I've got this authority from God to do the things I'm doing. You're going to expect me to prove it to you. But I can't. 
he's going to explain that. Verse 24, he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country, but I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but under none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city in Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And it didn't let it rain for three years, and God sent Elijah to a widow's house, come out of the country. And I just thought he was on all. He wasn't. There's some silent Christians over hiding somewhere. But he thought he was because you ever, you ever just felt like you're the only one you know that loves God? You ever just felt like you get out in the crowd of the world and you think, man, I don't see nobody right here loves you? You ever just felt alone? I tell you what, the way the world's going with all this homosexuality and all this abortion and all this wickedness and I don't have to name it. I know. Y'all see it. Surely you're not blind. All the craziness going on all around us and the stuff that happens every day to little kids and to, and to old people and just to, it's sick, y'all. And I start thinking, man, is there any Christians left and stand up? I got to say this. I just feel that too. It bothers me. Oh, People will watch the Super Bowl and just laugh and cut up and enjoy the commercial. All this opportunity to do something good with those eyeballs watching. And how many of those commercials are Jesus? How many of those times do you see somebody who has the money, has the authority, that could reach a great number of people? Hey, the Apostle Paul would have loved to have modern-day advertising. The Apostle Paul would have loved to have an opportunity with a camera to reach more people than he reached in his life. But, man, they'll spend all that time and energy over the silliest things. Won't nobody talk about the Lord. I would give anything to have a politician in power. There's a few, but I mean one that actually has some authority. It would stand up. A president would stand up from the old office and say, this is a nation under God we're going to serve. And then open the Bible and read it. Can you imagine that? Because I can't. But wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be great? I didn't mean to get on that, but here's what Jesus is saying. During that time, nobody in Israel would accept Elijah. Always seem like God's got to use an outsider. Look at this. He says in verse 27, Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. None of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Does that mean God couldn't reach any of the lepers in Israel? At that time, they couldn't fly. Because they won't accept his people and they won't accept his word. We started out talking about the importance of God's word. And I want to share a couple things with you. First of all, it's important when you're tempted. You can't make it to temptation except you lean on God's word. You can't do it. You've got to have it. And listen, if you haven't been tempted, you will be. We lean on everything else. We lean on self-help books. We lean on our favorite singers. We, you talk about how music moves people. Some people just crank up the radio real loud and listen to a bunch of secular stuff. We'll in on all the worldly things. We'll get into a TV show and take a mind up. Or we'll get into drugs or alcohol or some kind of pill, something to numb the pain. We'll just about try anything except the Word of God when we're going through something. And the Word of God's got the answers. The Word of God's what it gets through. The Word of God gives us strength and direction and guidance and help. And if we just lean on the Lord, we'd 
be doing better than we're doing. I'm going to prove that to you. But you need the Word of God when you're tempted. You need the Word of God to defend yourself. You need the Word of God to empower the Spirit in your life. You need the Word of God to preach the gospel. I know some of y'all think, well, I ain't no preacher. You are too. You're a witness. The Bible says we're all supposed to witness. We're called ambassadors for Christ. That's what Paul said. was an ambassador who? He represents. He represents for the nation he's an ambassador to. We're supposed to represent a nation of, uh, of Christians, of, of, of godly people, and we're not doing it. And because we don't lean on the Word of God. God uses outsiders a lot of times because his people won't move. I'm going to say that again. God uses outsiders most of the time because these people won't move with the people they got. I don't understand it, but it's true. Let me show you some examples of that. Bear with me. Some of this you're going to say, none of this even goes together. It does. You'll like this. Watch this. John chapter 4. And as we're turning there, everybody in this church has heard this story. So I'm not going to get into the story. I'm going to show you something in the midst of it I bet you never noticed. John chapter 4 is famous because the woman at the well Get saved there. But that's not what we're going to focus on. John chapter 4, and I'm again, I'm going to read all of this at the same time, but I'm trying to go somewhere, so bear with me. Everybody found that? Say amen. Look at verse 3. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. He must needs go through Samaria. Then he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Let me give you a hint. You ever heard of Shechem? I don't have the time to get into it, but in the Old Testament, Shechem was famous. Shechem was positioned in a valley between two big old mountains. And these mountains are important. I'm going to show them to you in a minute. But Sychar was right next to where old Shechem used to be. They built it literally within a mile, mile and a half of the old ruins of Shechem. So when you read Sychar, you might as well read Shechem. It's the same place. There's a lot of stuff happening there. One of Gideon's sons runs up the top of one of the mountains and shouts down into the valley. It had a natural amphitheater. He shouts down through there some stuff that God told him to say to Abimelech. And anyway, it's another story for another time. But there's a whole lot of history about Shechem. But then there's a little, one of the patriarch sisters got raped there by a guy named Shechem. It was named after. So a whole lot of history for Shechem. And I'm just pointing it out for a reason. They came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son, Joseph. Make that. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sent thus on the well, and it's about the sixth hour. And there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, because his disciples are gone away in the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. This confuses her. And the woman said, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well's deep. From whence when hast thou this water, this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered, watch this. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not 
neither come hither to draw. This is when Jesus famously says to her, we'll go call your husband, come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, thou hast well said, I have no husband. But thou hast had five husbands, and he that thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sense, thou true. Now watch this. The woman said to him, sir, perceive thou art a prophet. <laughs> she was real smart, wasn't she? Our fathers, this is where I'm headed, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say, in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, this didn't start out talking about worship. This started out talking about water. But after a little bit of time with Jesus, she realized he's a prophet at least. At the very least, prophet of God. Because she recognizes the word of God when it's spoken to her. And I'm going to tell you something. You know the word of God when you hear it. You know when someone's telling you the truth out of the word of God, and you know when they're not. The only way you know that, A, you've got to be saved and have some discernment about you. B, you got to know your Bible. you got to study your Bible. you got to read your Bible. Evidently, she heard 16 in Scripture to know some things. And you'll see this in a minute. I'll show it to you in a minute. I'll prove it to you. But I want, I want to focus for a minute on this mountain she's talking about because this is important, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to speed this up. But she said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Have you ever focused on this before? Typically, when we get to the rest of the story, we skim over that. Here's her question. I was on the top of worship here. This mountain's important. This mountain matters to God. We were taught that. This mountain means something to God. We're supposed to worship here. You tease him when he says, we're going to worship in Jerusalem. You Baptists think you're the only ones going there. I don't think that. I think everybody who knows Jesus Christ and their Savior is going to heaven. I think there's some in every denomination who just wander into their own church, get just enough truth to get saved, and then don't ever leave, and they're stuck there. But it's got nothing to do with being a Baptist. It's got everything to do with knowing your Bible and following good, sound biblical doctrine the way it's planned, not the way we want to interpret it to fit our circumstances. So having said that, there's a confusion here. A lot of people are stuck with that confusion. The reason I bring this out, you're going to say, well, there's about more to worship, how to worship, why to worship, the right things to do. Why are they confused? Because they can't even agree on the book. There's a nautical saying when you're, uh, and I'm not in the Navy, there's a nautical saying, off by an inch, off by a mile. Because if you're on a map and you start getting on track, next thing you know, you're way off. Well, that's what happens. You get off on this book, you get way, way off. I don't, I'm not going to have the time to show you all of it. You can take note of Deuteronomy 11:29. We're not going to turn there. But turn to Deuteronomy 27. I, w- I want to show you this mountain and why it's important to her. And I'm making a full circle. Remember, I told you, Jesus defended himself out of the book of Deuteronomy. So I'm going to show you a little bit. I won't but I want to show you some things. I won't read all of it. I'll show it to you, read in your own time. Make note, if you want to, of Deuteronomy 11, 29, which is a verse for Moses. When you get into the land that God is going to give you, remember, Moses never got to go. But he said, when you get to the land God's going to give you, you take the people, buy them such and such a way, you send half of them up, not Gerizim, you send half of them up Mount Ebal. We'll call Mount Gerizim the Mount of Blessing, Mount Ebal, the, the Mount of Cursing, and you shout down these blessings and curses to the people so they will understand what's going to happen if they follow me, if I'm going to bless them. If they don't follow me, I'm going to 
and it's up to them. They get to choose. So it's mentioned briefly in Deuteronomy 11, 29. I'm not going to go there, but look at Deuteronomy 27. I'll show you some of this. Look at verse 11. Deuteronomy 27, I'm giving you all plenty of time to find that. But say amen if you found it. Rest y'all just stare intelligently wherever you are and catch up later. The Bible says, and Moses charged the people the same day, saying, You used to stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you come over Jordan. Watch this. I, I know y'all probably could care less about the tribes of Israel, but this means something to me. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now, for them that don't study this, this is amazing, because those are the largest tribes. Joseph actually splits later into Ephraim and Manasseh, and they're huge. They make up all the children of Israel. Levi had a section of people in every tribe. So Levi and Joseph by themselves are huge. The other big was Judah. Judah later encompasses Simeon and Benjamin and becomes so big that it encompasses all of southern Israel. Now, why would God pick the biggest tribes to go on the blessing side of the mountain? Because when God blesses you, the blessings are so much bigger than the cursings. If you'll just follow him, he wants to bless you. And I don't mean he wants to give you a Lexus. I mean he wants to reward you. And a lot of it's when we get there. Amen. Some of it's for here. Most of it, these prosperity preachers are wrong. They're not wrong that God wants to bless you. They're wrong about where. What good would it be to bless you here so you could die and leave it for somebody wicked? No. He wants to bless you for all eternity. He wants to reward you in heaven. He wants to make sure you know how much he appreciates you taking a stand for his good and holy name. He wants to honor you. In fact, the, the whole idea of casting crowns means you're going to have a crown to cast. And you're going to earn those crowns by serving God. Amen. So Moses told the people, he said, these are seven out there, and he named them. Um, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And with the exception of Issachar, those are all pretty big tribes. Look at verse 13. These shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And I don't have the time to get into Dan or Reuben or Gad, but those are all small tribes that had some issues. We're not going to talk about it. But the point is, these went up the mountain to curse. Now, there were good people in all tribes. But by and large, some of these tribes had already made a bad name for themselves. Like I said, my family name had done. Look at verse 14. The Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. He a loud voice. Standing on these mountains, and that's your amphitheater across Shechem. If you're standing in that valley, you can hear it like that. I've been there. To this day, if you go to this place and stand on this mountain, they can hear you across the valley. It's just a natural amphitheater God made like a megaphone. So it's a good place to get you heard off, amen? Cursed be the man that maketh any graving or molten image, that's an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and put it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, what Bell says, I'm not going to read all these. I'm just going to spot check them. Look at verse 18. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. And all the people shall say, don't make the blind wander off. Leave them to Jesus, amen. Look verse 19. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow. And all the people shall say, amen. Look at verse 21. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast. That's sick. 
I don't think you should have to say that. But evidently you had to say it. And all the people said amen. Verse 22, cursed be he that lies with his sister. That's sick too. The daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. And all the people should say amen. Look at verse 25. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. You know they ain't hit men back then? Don't be doing that. <laughs> I don't think they hit me anymore, but just saying. It was it, it, it was cursed to do that. All the people said amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And it was a sin to be amongst the people to hear good words spoken and not chime in and confirm with your heart we're going to follow God. Did you know it was cursed? You stood there and just said it. Read that verse again. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Look at chapter 28. I'm just I'm spot checking. I don't have time. Look at verse uh, 2 of chapter 28. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if, if is a conditional statement, if thou shalt hearken. Unto the voice of the Lord. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. That means you city folks and you country folks. If you follow God, you'll be blessed. Very simple stuff. Verse uh, 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. That means your kiddos. And the fruit of thy ground. And the fruit of thy cattle. And the increase of thy kind. And the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy now, that didn't mean your Walmart. That means the stuff that you store up for your kids in your future and, 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 and your retirement and whatever else you've got. God would bless this thing if you would honor it, if you would follow him. Blessed be thou when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord should cause thine enemy. I don't think you got any enemies, but if you're a conservative Christian in this country, you got a whole bunch of them. You may know yet. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. I love that. God's going to make them run seven different directions to get away from you. Amen. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and all that thou settest thine hand up to. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Verse 10, all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Remember what I told you before? Remember the name that we welcome in Remember the name that we're called by. If you're called Christian, Christ is in that name, and you're carrying it around. Don't be dragging it through the mud. Verse 11, Lord shall make thee plenteous and good in the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of the ground, and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. I can go on and on. Verse 12, verse 15, verse 21. I can go on and on, but what you're going to notice, if you keep reading through here, he keeps switching back to tell you how he'll bless you, but if you don't follow him, how he'll curse you. When you get over here, I'm just going to read a couple more. Verse 21, the Lord shall make pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, with a fever, and with inflammation, with extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, with mildew, and they shall pursue thee, until I perish, verse 25, the Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemy. Thou shalt go out on one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And what am I saying here? If you leave on the Lord's Learn what it says. 
do what it says, not for salvation. You're saved by faith through grace. But see, we're not done when we get saved. Did you know if you were done and you got saved, God would fix If he left you here, he's not through with you. There's work to be done. How are you going to do the work if you don't know what How are you going to know what he wants if you don't listen to him? How are you going to listen to him if you don't read it? If this is the only time you even look at this book that's sitting in the church house, you've got problems to fix. And don't they go and say, wow, what's your name? I'll tell you why. He can't help you if you don't listen to him. If you've never had a kid, let me tell you what's better kids. I've got six of them. I know a little bit about children. Here's what I know. They're mighty man. They look like me. God help them. They walk like me. And if they just listen to me, i got good plans for the future. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them be fruitful. I want to see them have stuff and not hurt. I hate to see one of my kids hurt. I love to see them smiling and happy. You got kids running around and you're making noise, and I love it. It don't bother me. It don't bother me seeing the kids having a good time in church. Praise God. They all have a good time in church. I don't want to see them hurt. I want to see them happy and happy and doing well. And sometimes I want to grab them and just choke them because they fix something with me. I got the police going to listen to me. How do you think you feel? You're made in his very image. He knows what you need, how you need, when you need. You do well. Breaks his heart when you do bad. He won't abide you bad. He's a better parent than I am. He don't make the mistakes that I wish my kids didn't see me do. He does right all the time. People won't listen to him. They won't follow him. There's a whole lot more here in Deuteronomy that if I read it, it would depress you because there's a whole lot of stuff going to happen to Israel because they depart from the Word of God. I don't have time to get into the Josiah. They found the Word of God in the temple where it was at the whole time, brought it out, read his clothes. He said, we don't want any of this stuff. I ripped his clothes up and said, we're going to start today following that book. They should have never left the book. And there was a time when this country had a covenant with God. We put his name on right? We put his name in our court. We put his Ten Commandments in our courthouse. Made people swear by the court before the gate. And now what do they do? They don't even acknowledge the book. A lot of them have thrown it out. If we don't get back to this book, friends, we're in trouble. I'm going to close at John chapter 4 because we started that story in Spanish, and I'll be through. I mean, I think I've made the point. But I'm going to finish the story. I don't like to leave the story unfinished, amen? <laughs> Y'all know this, but I'll show it anyway. She says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now you know what mountain she's talking about. Mount name. Our fathers worshipped here at the Mount of Blessing. And they taught us to worship here at the Mount of Blessing. You Jews say, I'm going to go with Jesus told her. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, I are coming. And you shall neither in this mountain nor go to Jerusalem worship the Father. See, Jesus knew. They don't do no good to go to Jerusalem. You ever heard of the Ethiopian youth? What Bible said about the Ethiopian youth in Acts chapter 8? Bible says, as he was returning, coming back from Jerusalem, he had gone for to worship. Headed back, read the book of Isaiah, has no clue what he's talking about. You know why? Because 
went to church. They're out there. There's a whole bunch of them. Joe Olsen's church ain't got a Bible in it. I'm convinced. They do, they ain't ready. An Ethiopian eunuch come back from the temple and didn't know what the Bible said. And God said, I'll fix that. And he sent him Philip. And Philip said, understand this Bible. So Regis is about to die. some more shots of And he desired Philip to come and sit with him. And he sat with him. And he, he started at that verse and explained to him Jesus. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, what? What hinders did you matter? You know what I love about this? I Here's a, here's a challenge for anybody who wants to do it. 
Go take Coca-Cola, redesign it, redistribute it, and sell it as the new Coca-Cola. Watch how fast you get loose. If they took marriage that did not get invented by the United States Supreme Court, by the way, that ain't the Supreme Court. If you didn't know this, let me tell you, there is a Supreme Court, but it ain't here. That ain't the Supreme nothing. But they took, I don't care if there's conservatives or liberals on it, they're wrong. They think they're supreme, and they took marriage defined by God that pre-exists America, and they said, now you can have same-sex marriage. They redefine somewhat, and there's a change. And they're going to answer for it, too. This nation's going to answer for that. And somebody with the guts ought to go and file a federal lawsuit that you if there was an honest judge and an honest lawyer anywhere in this country, which there probably ain't. He said, God seeketh such to worship him. Those that will seek him in spirit and in truth. And verse 24, I'm done. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said unto him, I know Messiah come. How did she know Messiah come? Somebody read her a Bible. Look, she wasn't a godly woman. We all know that. She lived some bad life, and so have you. So have I. But she knew enough Bible to know there's a Messiah coming someday, and Jesus loved her enough to tell her who he was. So the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said, she got saved. Your salvation is not the end, folks. It's the beginning. If all you're doing sitting on a pew once in a while. Let me, let me tell you something I hurt your feelings that's true. You're not doing God any favors coming here on Sunday with This ain't for him. It's for you. And so he can strengthen you, encourage you, prepare you for what you're going to face tomorrow. You coming in here is like plugging in a cell phone. What happens if you don't plug your cell phone in once in a while? You're going to die. It's useless. It's a paperweight. That's all it is. What do you think a Christian is that don't plug into God pretty right? Ain't no good. You're ever going to be any good to anybody in this world for anything that matters? Better plug you into this word. You love the church. You better start living your life with Jesus Christ. Here it is, not even proud. And telling somebody else about it. Appreciate y'all letting me.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 